This is Demetrius Booth, known as the Lighthouse, constantly shining light into darkness, and you are listening to the Shadows Podcast. Howdy dowdy, Shadowites. Wait, John, do they even call themselves that? Mm, I don't know, Kirk, but they should. John, the commercial. Right. How many more times are you going to invest $5 in heated bean juice only to fizzle out faster than your New Year's resolution? Trust us, we've been there. During our days running 24-hour operations, the struggle was real. That's why, as veterans, we decided to create the game changer that we wish we had. Sisu Stamina Energy Chews. Designed with precision. And science. Sisu Stamina is your take-anywhere, do-anything fuel that provides immediate, smooth energy, razor focus, and compounding health benefits, all for about a buck a serving. Head over to ULAUniverse.com. Use Shadows 10 at checkout to save site-wide so you can conquer your shadows today and forge a brighter tomorrow. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of The Shadows Podcast. I am your host, Trip Bodenheimer, and today I have with me Mindy Tremble. Tremble? Did I pronounce Trimble. it wrong? That's it. That's it. I don't it. know like why Trimble. I felt like I'm... So if I were to go back and listen to past episodes, I my fear is saying someone's name wrong, and I struggle with saying names right all the time. So... You- that was flawless. That was awesome. And I like I like to say it's like thimble with an R, but some people do say tremble. They do. And it's not tremble, okay. it's tremble. So yeah, you got it. Got it right. Got it right. And you are the uh I like this this uh description here, the bubble wrap of life and college uh coaching. And yes. we will unpack all of that. And you mm-hmm. I mean, I connected with you uh Gosh, what maybe about two three weeks ago yeah for the first time great conversation mm-hmm. had so much fun talk I, I don't even think we talked about half of what we were anticipating talking <laughs> no <laughs> but it was just a i mean amazing connection to have um you know i can't thank you enough for taking time to do this but for our listeners out there where are you located yeah i am in california just about 30 40 minutes outside of downtown los angeles um, basically adjacent to, I guess, the former home of Kim and Kanye over in uh, okay. Calabasas there. So yeah, that's where I am. Here, right the time this episode comes out, you and I are going to be neighbors. I know. And I was going to say, we're going to be neighbors. So you are no stranger to bubble wrap and all of its, all of its joys and wonders, I'm sure, as you're packing Oh, up. yeah. So I'm yes. very much looking forward to connecting with you in person when we get down there. Yes. Um, but- Before we get going here, I want to put you through some rapid fire questions. I'm ready. Okay. First one, book recommendation. So I thought about this because um, like when you, when you were kind of priming me for this one, I was choosing between, but I, right now I am reading Everything is Figureoutable by Marie Forleo. And, um, you know, I've been in her orbit for a while. Uh, I took her class Time Genius um, at the end of last year, which was amazing. But uh, everything is figureoutable is so fantastic because like, I mean, every time I'm kind of listening and reading and, you know, I feel like the inspiration I get just in my own life and for my students. And I mean, everything is figureoutable is a great motto. And it's really like what I'm doing with my students every step of the way, all the way to the end of the college application and acceptance so okay everything is figureoutable that'll be under our resource recommendations on our right. website 
you have one ticket, you can travel anywhere. Right now, where would you go? Right now, uh, I would go to Switzerland with my family because my husband uh, is super into genealogy and he's been doing a lot of digging into our, our ancestry and we've discovered uh, a lot of members of the family from that area. And I've, I've been once, but uh, it was only very brief, a brief period. And I, I really want to go back and I, I have four and a half year old twin boys and I want them to see that. And I know my yeah. husband would be thrilled to go and kind of do more research. So I think that would be an amazing trip to take. Specific spot in Switzerland? Gosh, he, uh, Interlaken. Cause I've not, I've not been there. And I know yeah. that that is where uh, a lot of the, family is from so yes yeah, and it's... actually my maiden name is german bodenheimer sounds german to me okay. uh and yeah. he's learning german so um it would be great i don't i can pronounce it because of my singing days but i can't speak it so it would be fun to kind of get by with broken german brecken say english was my favorite quote <laughs> i was i told my wife i was like when we would go somewhere like out and about shopping but i was like I'm going to fool them. They're going to think I'm German because they'll see my ID with my last name. And then uh, the, the few little quotes that I knew I could get by mm -hmm. checking out at a register. Mm -hmm. And I'd leave. I'm like, they don't even know that I'm American. She's like, I'm pretty sure they do. Pretty uh, sure they do. Pretty yeah. sure they do. Yep. Um, wait, have you been to Switzerland? I have. Oh, whereabouts? I've been to, so um, Lucerne. Mm -hmm. Love it. I've been to, we drove through the Alps and it was mm -hmm. incredible. Uh, I mean, just absolutely amazing, but everything is really expensive. Yes. Really, really expensive. <laughs> it yeah. is no joke. It I, would need to be an all expenses paid trip. I, that's my asterisk on that question. Yeah. Not if I'm well, not paying, there we go. If I am paying, it's going to be somewhere else. I, I personally like Austria. I love Austria. Oh I'm, yeah. I've not been to Austria either. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, next question for you. And I'm very curious with your music background to ask mm -hmm. you this one. What is your, that one artist or one song, but if anybody else were to know you're listening to it, you would turn your music down or you would, when you pull up to the red light, you tend to turn it down a little bit. What's that one that you'd be embarrassed if people knew you heard? <laughs> I, you know, the one, I don't know if it's embarrassing, the song itself, but um, I think like I sing it so loud, um, is the, the song to be real. And I don't even know the artist. I don't, but I'm not going to sing it here on the podcast for you right now, but you can go look it up to be real. It's like seventies jam. We got a lot of, there's a lot of loud kind of screamy parts and I love to sing it. So yes, I would be turning down my own volume and the volume on my radio. So Cheryl Lynn. Um, no, that's it. Did you already know that? You did. You knew it. that. You didn't even have to look it up. Just Googled it. Oh, okay. All right. Yep. There we go. But I'll edit it to where it's, it'll just sound like I. <laughs> okay. Next yep, one for it. you. Mm -hmm. Pet peeve. Pet peeve. Oh, pet peeve. Oh, goodness. You know, my pet peeve actually is when I hear uh, people correct someone's grammar in public mm -hmm. anywhere. Um, because, because, you know, I, I'm working with students on college essays and I'm a total, you know, grammar 
aficionado and like, you know, I'm all about it. And so I hear people make mistakes constantly in speech, but it's the way that we talk, you know, we're not. So when somebody corrects grammar, I'm just like, oh, you got to be kidding me. It's so, it's so know-it-all and rude. And sometimes I will hear people make corrections that are actually incorrect. So that's, that's another level. (laughs) That peeve. I have have a coworker that does that and I call him out on a lot. Yeah. (laughs) No one. No one, no, no one needs yeah. to know it all. Not Thank like you, Merriam-Webster. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, you know what? If I, if I wanted to find out, I would have Googled it. So thank it's you like they that. don't understand the way you said it. So they have to they, they say it like, did you mean that? <laughs> no. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, that's the worst. Yes. You got me. Yeah. Good call. Good call. All right. Mm-hmm. Dinner for three, three historical figures who are no longer with us. Who do you break bread with? Yes, three historical figures that are no longer with us. Um, I would have to say, um, you know, <laughs> so one is uh, Francois Premier, who was one of the former kings of France. And this this is an answer that I'm whipping out from an interview that I had in high school. And I stand by it because he was committed to this kind of beautification uh of the country. And I, I just mm-hmm. always have this weird affinity, uh, for him. Um, I think also I would want to, uh, have, uh, it's opera singer who has an amazing voice, Montserrat Caballé, just absolutely amazing voice. She's no longer with us. I would absolutely love to be at dinner with her and, uh, pick her brain about singing. And, uh, my third historical figure, gosh just for funsies because it's totally i I would be an eclectic mix i would have to say martin luther king jr i mean i think that's a really interesting mix of cultures and time periods so i would like to see the conversation as a result i tell you right now two of those three first time somebody's invited them to dinner i I, you know i'm not i'm not surprise people are gonna be like who is this woman i'm getting out google why is she making me look stuff up yeah but yeah i couldn't even google those names but yeah (laughs) so you've gone through the rapid fires Mm -hmm. you you survived those now i want to get into your story and if you could take us back to what was childhood like for mindy yeah so i uh, was born in bakersfield california um, and my dad is an oil and gas attorney, which is why we lived at Bakersfield because there's a lot of crude oil there. Um, interestingly enough, uh, when I went and got my music degree, you know, a couple decades later, I lived in Signal Hill, California, which is near Long Beach. Mm-hmm. And it's also uh, known for crude oil. It's weird. It's like I'm, I'm oil attracts me, I suppose. Uh, but in, in any event, I grew up in Bakersfield, very flat, very hot. Um, and it is a very, um, it's very like a politically conservative kind of stronghold in the state. Um, they, you know, there's, I mean, it's very, it's very much like, it's almost like a piece of the Midwest because I think apparently let's go back to history. Like a lot of people came during like the Dust Bowl and migrated out. And so like the weather and climate was similar and all that stuff. So that's where I grew up. And I went to a Quaker school. I was raised in a Quaker church uh, when I was little. And I went to a Quaker school until third grade. 
Uh, and that was interesting. It's very, it was modern. Some people have this idea that of Quakers wearing like plain clothes. Not it's not so much the traditional Quakers, but uh, you know, um, more of it's kind of more of a philosophy of um, you know they're committed. There's like the American Friends Service Committee, so it's very much um, like a denomination that's rooted in service and faith, like being intertwined. And yeah, and then um, and then we moved to another valley town and yeah and I was really interested in the arts and that's when I started performing a lot and uh and yeah and I continued to do that all through high school and then went off to college and did something a little bit different but eventually made my way back to performing do you remember when during your childhood the the arts kind of sparked that interest in you yeah, I um, started performing in, you know, church musicals. I think I was three or five. And I told my mom, mom, you know, I don't, I don't want to be a TV star. I want to be an actress. Like I, I kind of delineated that. It was like, yes. I want to be a stage performer. Um, it's different. You know, it had more gravitas or something. Right. So uh, I just, I loved I loved the idea of, you know, the lights and the applause and the attention and I loved singing. And so, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a very early age. Any stage fright or anything initially? Or were you just no, a natural? No, I, I mean, I saw, well, actually this is a really cute story. So I do remember some of my first performances and I, you know, had those nerves I was like, mom, my stomach feels all fluttery. What is this? I didn't know what it was. Yeah. She said, oh, you know, honey, those are called butterflies. I was like, what? I was, I was young enough. I remember being like, what, what are you talking about? She's like, no, not actual butterflies. But she said, the cool thing is that you, all you have to do is teach those butterflies to fly in formation. I was like, oh. And so I, you know, I use that visualization of like all these fluttering butterflies. And then I would, that's how I calm myself down. I would make them go in a V or a Z, or I'm sure those there's actual terms for that in air force terminology. <laughs> you can help me out with, but yeah, that was how I, that was how my mom taught me to regulate my nerves. And I would just breathe it in. And then, you mentioned your mom. What did your mom do? My mom, uh, she stayed at home with us until we were about 13. And then she, um, she had a background and, uh, gosh, she worked for a travel agency and customer service, but, and then she went back and worked at a car dealership. And she also worked, um, with young people with a company called junior achievement. And then she went on, um, before she retired, she was working, uh, in for a small like health insurance, uh, group in healthcare. So yeah, she's kind of worked in, in customer service and HR, but yeah, having my mom at home until I was 13 was amazing. Yeah. You said she worked with kids with junior achievement. Do you think that kind of planted any seeds for what you're doing today? You know, until I said it just now, no, I hadn't actually ever made that connection, which is funny. And I should talk to her about it. Um, yeah. You know, and actually she also worked for, uh, this was more on the medical side for like, uh, a child guidance clinic. And so these were mm -hmm. students with, that had more like behavioral issues, but so she, she was also attracted to working with young people and we've never actually had that conversation. You know, I, yeah. So maybe it's in my blood. There you go. Because my, my dad, yeah. 
Yeah, my dad taught for a while also. So, huh. Yeah. Well, you mentioned too, he was in Vietnam, correct? He was. And he does not, you know, he does not talk about it much. All The only thing that I know is that he does not like Bob Hope because he had to be on watch during like the USO holiday special. Oh, uh, yeah. Bob Hope was entertaining the troops. So it was his like, thing. Yep. Yeah. My dad, <laughs> my dad didn't get to see it isn't a fan i guess it just reminds him of that time so it's funny you say that because you know i've been big on teaching emotional intelligence mm -hmm. and being on this emotional growth journey one of the things i really look at is generational uh, i guess you could say it's generational trauma but it's sure. just basically how that vietnam style of like leadership or veterans it was almost like a badge of honor to where it's like they never cried. They never talked about it. And you have so many veterans that, uh, you know, I hear people who, who say that, you know, my, my grandfather, my father served, but I never knew what they did. They just never talked about it or they never shed a tear. And I remember it was, I'd always hear people say like, Oh, that such a man, they never cried. They never did any of that. But now a lot more of like emotions and stories and stuff or, being told um do you think there's any like sort of not trauma from vietnam but do you think your dad has lived with any sort of like baggage from that time in the military 100 percent, yes i do and i think the fact that he hasn't been forthcoming and i haven't pushed a lot but i there were yeah, yeah. there were i can remember one or two times where i was a little bit more direct and he deflected and so i backed off yeah um but yeah, I think that it's probably been really hard for him to reconcile that, like, yeah. with his life before and after. And, um, and, and yeah, it's, you know, on the one hand, it's a shame that, you know, that that is kind of the hand that was dealt our, you know, our veterans returning home from that war. But I am glad to see, you know, people like you that are in the military today that are promoting social emotional intelligence and communicating those feelings as a way to process uh, traumatic events, right? Because, you know, I feel like in my dad's case, he probably doesn't even consciously recognize some of it as trauma when that's exactly what it is. So I don't know who, okay. who knows what it is, but yes, I do. Yeah, did you have any siblings or were you only child? I do have siblings. So I have an older half brother who's 10 years older than me. And he lives in Fountain Valley, which is in Orange County. Uh, and I've got two nieces. He's married, yeah, with his two daughters there. And then I have a younger brother uh, who also lives in Orange County, different part, Laguna Beach area. And uh, he has two little boys. And so we're all we're all kind of close together. Yeah, we're all in that California area. Yes. No, I didn't grow up with my half brother. He he visited yeah. a lot, but it was at home. It was me and my little brother. Yeah. So uh, with us moving to California. Yes. What's the biggest misconception about living in California? I, geez, uh, the biggest misconception. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stereotypes that are true. I will say that, like, you know, the as Saturday Night Live sketches about the way that people talk about the freeways. Californians. 100, yeah. Yes, 100%. It's great skit. It's so funny. It's so funny. And no, they, none of the actors can get through it with a straight face because it's no. real. Um, yeah. So, but I think ugh, the misconception, 
I do know when I, I went down there to visit, I checked yes. out prices. I, everybody said prices are through the roof on everything. And I went to like Target and Walmart yeah. here, looked at the prices of like cereal, milk. Mm-hmm. When I got to California, they were the exact same. Yeah, I think that's a that yes. is a good one. Big box stores are big box stores, right? I, and I do think yes, gas is more expensive, but aside from like real estate prices, which are you know bonkers, I don't think I don't think like the actual cost of living, like you know your your day to day basic needs, is any higher. Um, I also think that there's this misconception like the weather's great all the time. I mean, California is a humongous state, so you can it depends on where you go, and the weather is not great all the time. I mean. It's getting hotter here. The fires, like I didn't grow up with those fires. I mean, they were, it's, so it's gotten, Scared. it's gotten a lot worse and it's not earthquakes all the time either. I barely felt any earthquakes. I've, I've lived here my that's entire probably life. A big one. Yeah. That's probably the biggest one is that people are like, yeah. oh, it's earthquakes all the time. I'm like, I've slept through almost all of them. So I watched the documentary on one of the wildfires. Mm-hmm. It was on Netflix, but it was the one where basically they were, gosh, where was it? I want to say it was like 2019 I, I could be wrong on that date but they they basically were trapped in uh like everybody in the street sorry they were being mm. told get out of your car and just go yeah and yeah that they was were probably surrounded yeah. by fire very scary yeah it was scary it was a scary time i remember i mean that was my boys turned one in october of 2019 and we had to cancel the party because they closed down the freeways and no one could get to us and we we picked our house based on evacuation histories. Yeah, that's smart. So we're like, this is the best place to pay because it actually hasn't been evacuated. So that that yeah. is real. <laughs> oh, and then everybody's saying when I've told people we're moving out there, they're like, well, it's just gonna fall into the ocean. No. Okay. Yeah. That okay. That's gonna happen to New Orleans before it's gonna happen to us. So yeah. <laughs> no. No. Okay. So. Now you went to college, but talk to us about your, your college journey. Cause that was kind of unique with the, uh, where you ended up. Yeah. Yeah. So I, out of high school, um, I did my undergraduate degree at UC Berkeley. Um, so okay. I started there in 1999 and, uh, that was a really interesting time to be in college, particularly with my degree, my degrees in peace and conflict studies. So, you know, us going to war Iraq, um, you know, it was, it was a really wild time to be on the UC Berkeley yeah. campus. Um, and I also, I studied abroad in France um, uh, from 2000 to 2001. So, or was it, 2000? no, sorry about that. That was 2001, 2002. So I was also there. I left on August 25th. And so a couple of weeks later, right, you know, September 11th, and I was there in France for another, like, eight oh. months, and it was, a, that was a very interesting time to be an American. Uh, How was that in abroad. France? You know, what was so interesting, because I know a lot of people have memories of, like, freedom fries and the stuff that came a lot later, but yeah. the French people were so kind to me, and I mean, because my French was, my French got better, and my French wasn't bad, but, you know, French people can hear that you're an English speaker, and yeah. French people are very proud of their language abilities. And so they don't really want, like, my impression was like, if they weren't super fluent, they didn't want to speak English. They would, they would, you know, speak in French to you if you could speak any bit of French. But everyone that I met that could barely speak any English would try to say, how is your family? It was like the first mm-hmm. question people would ask me. And it was so touching. 
And I said, well, you know, I'm from California and I actually don't have any, but thank you so much for asking. It. And so, you know, it kind of all blew now, I have some weird things happen, like the way I walk my apartment and straight into the barrel of a semi-automatic weapon because there was armed military around. So that that was unusual, not something that would have happened uh, yeah, at, on the Berkeley campus, or at least uh, that I know of, or, you know, at home at Bankersfield. So there were some, there were some interesting kind of cognitive dissonant kind of moments there. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it just, I think that was weird. It was just kind of over and yet it was continuing for my family and friends back home. Did you switch majors while so, you were at Berkeley? No. So at Berkeley, I thought I was going to be, I thought I was going in as music, but in my first month, I learned about the peace and conflict studies major. And I decided that that was definitely what I wanted to major in. And I thought I might minor in music, but I didn't. I ended up minoring in French. And I, I really thought I was going to, you know, go and get, you know, an advanced degree in either translation and I was looking into, you know, working for the UN or working for the State Department. Um, but then my parents divorced um, actually while I was abroad in France. So when I came home, mm. I came home to a different house, a different, like a whole, a whole different set of circumstances. And so my plans, uh, my plans changed pretty quickly when I got home. I was, I mean, you're still considered a kid at that point. How was your mindset of coming home and all of a sudden your whole entire worldview has just changed? Yeah. I mean, like our country had changed my world, like, yeah. you know, everything had changed. Um, and I, you know, I remember, I think one of the most vivid memories that I have was when I came back and I, you know, it was summer, right. When I came back from France and I remember going to a grocery store for the first time and I was, it was, I had not ever had a panic attack prior to that. I didn't know that was what I had when I was having it, but I went into a grocery store and I remember seeing the, the number of options of bread, loaves of bread, like on this giant, you know, aisle. And I was completely overwhelmed and I, yeah. I had to walk out and go home. Uh, and, you know, I, I learned later through, you know, therapy and talking to people that what I had experienced was a panic attack because I had to calm myself down in the car. You know, I think, I think that actually, when I came back, that was kind of the beginning of my journey. I went and I sought out, you know, student services. I needed, I needed help to get through that time, you know, for obvious reasons. So I think, you know, I, I'm grateful that my parents encouraged me to do that because prior to that point, I had never, you know, talked to a therapist or anything like that. So, so yeah, it was definitely helpful and helped me navigate that, that period into, you know, graduation into the real world. Can I ask you the same question that I asked sure. you about California? What do you think is the biggest misconception about counseling or seeing a therapist? You know, I think that some, some of the misconceptions that I hear, and I don't know how strong these stereotypes still are, that it's like, you know, you don't need a therapist. You can talk to your friends. Yeah. But you're, you're you know, and I, sometimes I still even have friends who are like, oh, you don't, you know, you don't need to talk, <laughs> you can just talk to me. And it's like, well, yeah, except that like the thing about therapy is that they are a paid objective observer, right? So your friends are never objective yeah. and, and they're not trained and they don't, they don't, they're not trained in the foundations of different psychological theories and different schools of thought and, and how they um, listen. Right. And how exactly how they listen. 
um, you know, that, that objective listening and, you know, still holding you with unconditional positive regard and, and all of this, like, I think, I think that that that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions. And the second one is that like, that it represents that there's something wrong, like that there's a weakness in you or there's something wrong with you. And I've been really, really glad to see over the last, you know, five to 10 years, maybe that, you know, when I see phrases, you know, about mental health is health, like, mm -hmm. you know, I have, I have no problem, you know, I, I, it doesn't, I have no problem talking about therapy or, you know, that I've gone in and out of therapy at different points in my life. You know, sometimes you just, you need some outside help. You know, sometimes you're sore. Sometimes something hurts, right? You go to the doctor. Yeah. So it's the same to me. So in the military, you know, we have the social, spiritual, emotional, mm -hmm. and physical domains. And I talk about it on here a lot about how, you know, uh, physically you get a personal trainer, you get a mm -hmm. workout partner, you go to the gym, we take selfies, we celebrate it. I was in there today and Planet Fitness is doing the the high schoolers workout for free. So it's just selfie central. And <laughs> but they're they're all in there celebrating and videotaping everything they do. Mm -hmm. And then you got your uh spiritual side where, mm -hmm. you know, we go to church, we celebrate that. We have no shame in, you know, posting things on social media, even meditating or sitting mm -hmm. out with the, you know, the cup of coffee out by the mountains of the right. Swiss Alps with the book. And that sounds great. Yeah. It, it actually does. Yeah. <laughs> but the the crazy thing is, though, when it comes to like that emotional right. state is that if we tell people like, oh, I got it. I, I want to get a trainer for my mm -hmm. mind. I want to go talk to someone for my mind. It's frowned upon. Right. And then the, the, the when I think about it from like a logical standpoint, that doesn't make any sense because. No, no. Why not? It, right, exactly. Like somehow my choice to go to a therapist means I'm unstable, which is when it's actually the opposite. It's like, I am seeking stability. I have a certain amount of awareness that I am in a state of instability and I am looking yeah. to go get some equilibrium back. Like I actually but you work think, on your glutes and your abs and that's okay, that's right. but you work on your mind and it's like, Oh, yeah. I'm going to work that's... on my, my brain glutes. I guess. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Brain glutes. Yeah. There you go. Brain glutes. There's a quote for the day. Brain glutes. So talk to us about your uh, opera degree. Yeah. So, um, so I, like I said, you know, I, I had already been studying uh, voice in high school and I thought that I was going to go to UC Berkeley and, and my initial thought was, okay, I'm going to get a poli sci and music double major. And I got to Berkeley and I was it was, it was a lot. It was a lot to pursue a double major. And also the music program there was very front loaded and yeah. the classes were really difficult. I was not prepared for the music theory courses. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to dial that back, but I still want to take voice lessons. And so I paid out of pocket. It was not cheap. And I put, but I paid out of pocket. It was so important for me to maintain the voice lessons. And I had a lovely voice teacher Vina Restel, she's wonderful, wonderful human. And, um, you know, I just, I kept doing it all through college. And then I, you know, I graduated and I was working, um, I was working at a law firm at the time. And, you know, I thought, I thought, well, should I still continue with these voice lessons? Yeah. And I, you know, I still did it, still did it. And then I actually switched jobs and I worked for Lonely Planet, their travel guidebook publisher. And that was an interesting job because I 
I literally one day thought, wouldn't it be cool if, and this is a big Marie Forleo question, but I, I actually had that thought. I was like, wouldn't it be cool if I worked for Lonely Planet? You know, I have an interdisciplinary degree. It's in peace and conflict studies. It's a very international degree. It was in the international and area studies umbrella at the time. And so I typed in on Craigslist, that's showing my age here again. I put Lonely Planet. And the first hit that comes up was Lonely Planet Marketing Assistant. It was literally the job written for me. It was what I wanted. So I busted out my, what color is your parachute book? And it was like, hot tip, pro tip, go hand your resume in in person. Can you even imagine 21 year old doing that? Yeah. And I thought I'm going to do one better. I'm going to put it in a clear, you know, a clear envelope where you have like the, the twisty tie around it so yeah. that they don't even have to open it. They can just look at my resume straight through. Right. Here it is. Um, but yeah, I like to say that is one of my, that's a piece of evidence where I feel like I manifested that job for myself. I visualized it. I went in there, I did everything I could and I got that job and it was a wonderful job, but it was in that job and I loved it. I loved it so much. I was, um, a really, I was one of the youngest members of the Lonely Planet Foundation. I got to help decide where we were spending money. There was, uh, you know, the tsunami in Sri Lanka. It was just all these incredible opportunities for me but I still had that pull towards music and that it was there that I decided, you know what, all these people around me all the time are talking about living their travel dreams. And I have to, I will regret it if I don't do this. And this is, so I decided I had to go back to school and pursue uh, my bachelor's in music. So I got the second bachelor's and eventually got my master's in, in music as well. Was that at Berkeley also? No, that was at uh, Cal state long beach. Um, okay. And Cal State Long Beach. And actually while I was at Cal State Long Beach, they actually officially uh, became like their music department became a recognized conservatory. It's the Bob Cole Conservatory of Music and the vocal program is outstanding. The, you know, the coaches I had were just amazing. And, you know, I couldn't have asked for a better experience. Um, and, you know, USC is, is recognized as, you know, one of the premier music institutions there. And I also got into USC, but I was paying for it at this point, you know, I already had a degree, so it was all on me. Yeah. And so, you know, Long Beach made a lot more sense. And the teacher that I studied with for part of the time, um, she taught at USC and Long Beach. And so that's why I chose Long Beach. And I'm so glad I did go beach. So, so you've got your mentoring mm -hmm. program now, but before we yeah. get to that, how did you, like, if we were to fill in the gap between graduating where you are now, Mm -hmm. What did your career look like in between for that entrepreneurship? Right. So um, between, yeah, between that, you know, I, so I start, you know, I graduated from my master's program and I started hustling and doing the audition circuit. Uh, but I also, the entire time I was in grad school or excuse me, getting my second degree and in grad school, I was, uh, I became a uh, standardized test prep instructor because I had heard from a guy that I went to Cal with who was a trumpeter, that was what he was doing while he was out gigging in New York and auditioning in New York. And he said, hey, Mindy, the money's so great. And uh, I think you could do it. You know, you're, you're good at all stuff. And so that's what I did. I worked um, for uh, Revolution Prep uh, for over 10 years. And uh, so, you know, I was, I was kind of, you know, living my dual life, you know, working doing in-person workshops and things, but also, you know, flying to New York and auditioning around Southern California. Uh, and, you know, I was performing in 
with regional companies. Um, I did travel a bit. Um, I got to sing, uh, at one point I got to sing at Westminster Abbey uh, as a soloist, which was amazing. You know, I, I kind of got my, my taste of the opera singer life. Uh, and, yeah. and, you know, I continued to, you know, I was, I was doing that here and there. And then, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I was really still trying to pursue that career up until, um, I got pregnant with my kids, uh, and they were born in 2018. And I, you know, I thought <laughs> we got to 2020 and I'm like, 2020, I'm getting back into it. Right. And then March happened and, uh, yeah, but you know, at that point I had officially started my business. So I was still kind of planning on, on this dual life, um, yeah. up until 2020. And then the, you know, I was the time to do YouTube videos. Yeah. You know, and I did some, I didn't do YouTube videos, videos. I did some, you know, online projects, but I think, you know, what was the, the, the best part about 2020 for me was the amount of reflection because it really, yes. you know, life got, life got in the way. And then I was like, okay, you know, let me look at what I loved and didn't love about trying to become an opera singer. And this, I'll tell you this really quick story. So I was auditioning for LA opera and, you know, I prepped and prepped and prepped. I'm saying, but you know, I still had on, we're still wearing pantyhose auditions. I don't think anyone does that anymore. So much changes and it's just a couple of years, but thank goodness that's a change. But I'm seeing this aria and I feel the elastic waistband of my pantyhose. It's just, it's not holding. And my pantyhose starts sliding down. And I'm trying, you know, I'm seeing this really hard aria that I put so much work through. And I'm just like, I can't believe this is happening. And you know, that the kind of hustle and grind yeah. that I had been working at. It was just, this was not, that was not what I wanted. And that, I don't know, that moment was, was pivotal for me because that is not what I was out there to do. It's like so much is writing on this five minute thing and there's so much rejection, but here I was having all of these moments that did make my heart sing, seeing kids, you know, kind of have this realization about what they wanted to do or see their whole life story in a different light. That was amazing. And, and, you know, I was having a lot more of those winning moments in my coaching than I was, you know, in the, in the audition room. So I thought, no, I think I'm going to switch gears and just make this my new stage. So that's how I went full throttle into my online coaching and educational consulting business. So before we get into that, looking back at your journey up to this point, mm -hmm. what would you say is that shadow moment in your life where it was something that was holding you down and you finally like had to just embrace it and make it part of your story and uh, kind of use that to propel forward. I mean, I think, I think it is that, I think it is that, that moment that, you know, one side, the pantyhose, really, the pantyhose moment. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they didn't fall, it didn't fall past the hem of my dress, but there were once I, once I really thought about that and how I felt in that moment, you know, I kind of saw this in my mind that year when we were all at home, I saw this montage of other moments where, you know, just many, like what I had considered, I had considered them like personal failures, but, you know, I saw them in a different light. I saw them like, okay, this is kind of the, <laughs> the universe telling you, like, there's something not quite right about this path that I'm on. And, yeah. and specifically during, during the pandemic year, I remember reading this quote um, 
It was from an assigned reading in my freshman year class in my peace and conflict studies, 100 class um, assigned to me. And it was a, it was an article written in 1998 about, you know, Confucianism and Eastern and Western philosophy and how it applied to human rights. I mean, it was just, it was about a particular unit. I don't remember really any, any other part of the article, but what I, what stuck out to me and what was ringing through my head was this quote that, that, you know, the author was two women. And he said, um, you know, I, it was a principle of Confucianism that I am a center of relationships and that my own human flourishing necessitates that I involve myself in the spirit of empathy to be sure in the affairs of others. And that was the piece that was missing from the singing, right? Is that yes, like I was hoping that my performances were causing people to feel things and process things, but I, I am better in a, you know, responsive and collaborative situation. You know, I feed off of other people's energy and I needed to be talking to people in a more intimate way and working with people in a more intimate way than, than on a stage. So. Yeah. That you brought up about like the universe giving me those signs that when I read Val Kilmer's autobiography, mm-hmm. he said a quote that I just absolutely love. The universe's rejection is the universe's protection. And wow. yeah. So when things like that happen, it's, it's, them telling you like, this is, this is where you need to go. And speaking of where you need to go uh, to all of our listeners is your website. Because <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I mean, college prep mentor. I mean, where in the world were you when I was trying to, <laughs> well, to, you, to well, we weren't around because this, yeah. this job didn't even exist until maybe oh. 15 years ago because it's all changed. I mean, so much has changed. Uh, since that time and there's so many more applicants and there's so many more things that you know students have to focus on in order to you know raise their profile and get put in the yes pile so that's why people like me are around so first of all tell our listeners about your website because i know you have like events webinars you've got some really good stuff very good i always appreciate a very good looking website you have that so Yeah, just let our listeners know what all they can find if they're on your site. Yes. So uh, you can find my links to my socials. I'm most active on Instagram. So if you're on Instagram, please come up. But I am also on Facebook. So come over and say hello. I am a vocal human. So you can rest assured that you will get a DM, especially if you... No AI. uh, Huh? No AI. No AI. Yes. You will get a DM from me and most likely it will be a voice memo, especially, especially if you're, if you're in there saying hello from this podcast, but also you can find, um, details under events and webinars. I am going to be doing, uh, my kind of signature speech, which is called get majorly determined. And that's going to be on September 30th and it is virtual and it is a fundraiser, uh, for opulent mobility, uh, which is dedicated to, um, increased accessibility and kind of the intersection of accessibility in the arts and raising the profile of individuals struggling with um, with being seen and having disabilities. And then also uh, it's a partial fundraiser for the nonprofit that I'm uh, on the board of, which is called I Am Aria, and it's dedicated to teen mental health and wellness. So wow. uh, yeah, so I'm gonna be talking about my Get Majorly Determined framework and uh, if you, you know, if you miss that one, there's other ones coming up and everything will be there. Events and webinars is the best place to 
figure out how you can catch me live or just hang out on Instagram. But, um, but yeah, I really think, uh, you know, I feel like my special sauce is helping introduce students to majors they've never heard of. And in doing so, um, kind of fuels this transformation and perspective shift of how they can, you know, get through high school uh, with more purpose and intention and get to college and do it successfully. You're looking at my demographics that I have here, age range wise, mm-hmm. we're very popular with 28 to 44 year olds. So more than likely the people listening to this podcast uh-huh. have kids, um, especially the, you know, 44 to 59, right. not yeah. doing bad in that area too. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> if, if they have a kid who's, you know, eighth grade, seventh grade above, Yes. Uh, tell them how the process works of getting connected with you and then what you can uh, provide. Yeah. So, so really, you know, the journey with me is kind of, you know, it's, I look at it as three to four years and truly, if you've got middle school age students, I think one of the most common misconceptions, we're talking a lot about that, but one of the most common misconceptions about college prep is that it doesn't start until junior year. Nothing could be further from the truth, especially now. That may have been what it was like for the 28 to 44 year old set, but not anymore. I mean, you know, truthfully, the sooner you start, if you know, if scholarships are a big priority for your family, the sooner you start the college prep journey and the scholarship search journey, the more likely you are to be able to get through college uh, debt free or as close to it as possible. So um, it's really about kind of having those conversations, even as early as like sixth, seventh grade about about what they're interested in or what even just certain assignments, really listening, actively listening to your kids and asking a lot of questions, being a detective about what their interests are so that you can kind of be the information gatherer and that you can kind of hold up the mirror and say, oh, well, you know, here's, here's what you've told me you're most interested in. And then, you know, kind of planting those seeds early or working with someone like me to help start put those, you know, putting those connections together and looking for patterns and encouraging them to lean into what might end up being a passing interest. But look, they're going to be gathering information that's just as important about what they don't like as what they do like. And so that's, you know, the process of elimination on the way to that college application period is actually just as empowering as figuring out their purpose or passion. Yeah, I'm so thankful, Lorianne, for connecting <laughs> with like you. with you, especially the the spot where we're at with um with Becton and her, you know, super intrigued by just getting into college to begin with. Uh yeah. so yeah, mindytremble.com. Yes. Definitely. Go check it out. We'll have the link in the episode that you're listening to. It'll be in the episode description. And, you know, next thing I have for you is, you know, at the end of the day, when all is said and done, like, what do you want your legacy to be? Like, what do you want put on your tombstone? Mm. Uh, on my tombstone, I want, I wanted to say that I, you know, I lived to serve in the spirit of awareness and in a deep ocean of empathy for other, other people. I mean, that's really what I want to radiate out. So uh, awareness, service, and empathy are, are three really key values in my life. I just thought of something. Yes. I asked this question to Earl Bailey. 
since he's a musician. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you the same one because it stumped him a little bit. Mm -hmm. What song or what lyric best describes you? Oh, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, that is a stumper. I don't know if I know a lyric off the top of my head that best describes me. Um, you asked me before we recorded if I had anything to yeah. <laughs> and, and then this one just came to me. I'm like, I'm going to feel bad asking this one. Yeah, you know, um, gosh, I think, I think, I, you know, I don't, but see, it's funny, right? I, there is one song that's popping into my head yeah. but without looking at the, I don't know what the whole song is about, but I feel like, I feel like, um, you know, I feel like a song about like ex an eccentric or quirky or quirky woman. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I mean, the one I'm thinking of is, okay. This is so weird. Okay, this is it. I know this is strange, but train, you know the song Meet Virginia? This is what that's what popped yeah. into my head. Yeah. And the, there's a lyric of like, she doesn't own a dress, her hair is always a mess. Um catch her something, but she won't confess. I don't know. I just feel like it's kind of like while I do feel like on a certain level it, that I'm the kind of person that like what you see is what you get, at least in a coaching way, I think that I also I also want want to keep people on their toes and keep them guessing, like keep it interesting. Um, you know, I want my students to kind of come to a session and be like, what am I going to get today from Mindy? Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, that's not, <laughs> that's as best as I can come up with. Spontaneity. Yeah, spontaneity for sure. Okay. What final comments do you have for our listeners? Oh my goodness. I think final comments are just that you know, just knowing that, you know, since it's the shadows podcast, I would say that, you know, don't shy away from those dark spots uh, in your life or from those points of pain. If you, if you are aware that you're resisting something, um, you know, pry it open. It could be a little uncomfortable at first, but I really feel like that's where the light comes in. Right. And that's, that's, that's where your gold ultimately is. It's like in the, in the shadows. Some of the times, sometimes the brightest light can be found there. You plug. Well, that's so true though. Yeah. With the, you, you can't have that light without the darkness. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. And it's where, it's where the best, that's where we find some of the best college essay content, which is, you know, what I love working mm. on with students is finding their, kind of wild and untamed stories and then figuring out how we can tell it in a way that feels good to them and helps get them where they want to go in the future. Well, folks, if you or someone you know is even considering college, you need to check her out. You need to check the episode <laughs> description. It doesn't hurt to look. The cool thing about your link is it's free to click on it and just browse around. So yeah, it doesn't absolutely. hurt you. So Go check oh, it out. Yes. And actually, while we're here, so the other thing that I would love for you to do on my website, make sure you go to mindytrimble.com forward slash timeline. That'll be in the show notes too, because 
that is what's going to help you kind of plan your whole high school journey. So especially if you've got middle school students, you get that, download it, check it out. And that way you can really hit the ground running the summer before ninth grade. Okay. No, that's I'm actually clicking that the second we get done recording. Yeah, this. yeah, absolutely. And I give you all four years because even if you are, you know, in 10th or 11th grade, you could kind of go back and look at ninth yeah. and 10th grade and incorporate some of that in now. And that, yeah, honestly, I feel like if you use the timeline and followed it to a T, you would, and you didn't need any help, you'd be great. You'd be, you'd be sailing. Well, so that'll help. That's you awesome. Get it. Mm -hmm. Said, where was this in 2000? <laughs> Um, right. when, when I needed it, but no, this is amazing. Uh, I can't thank you enough. I'm so glad that I've made this connection with you. I, I don't say this about every single person that I have on here, or at least while I'm recording, I don't like pandering too much, but oh my gosh, this is one of my favorite connections. Just talking to you in general. I mean, not even talking about Beckton in college, but just in general, uh, super easy to connect with folks. I'm telling you, if y'all get a chance to reach out to her, please do. Thank you so much. No, it's been such a pleasure. And I feel the same way. I told Lorianne, thank you so much for introducing us because you're just so easy to talk to. And I love the kind of stuff that comes up when we talk. It's just, it's definitely, this is the most personal I podcast I've ever, you know, or the pers most personal I've ever been on a podcast. And so it's kind of nice to do that. Yeah, even last time we talked, that could have been an episode just sitting there recording just what we conversed over last time yep. and Laurie, god she's amazing yeah she's so great have, have you recorded is. with her yet i have she oh, is great. phenomenal i mean just in general still keeping contact with her and uh i can't say enough nice things about her one of my favorite people i've connected with on here yeah well thank you so much and uh have a safe and easy move Scout yeah here. absolutely and, i'll see you when folks, you get here yeah, absolutely. Folks, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Like we said at the top of this, if you get a chance, head over to Spotify, to Apple, or to theshadowspodcast.com. It's been very easy for you. You can head over there, leave us a review. Those reviews help so much with podcast and getting the word out there and spreading these messages out to people because you never know, just like this episode, um, who may be listening to this and how it may help them or others. So definitely go out there. We encourage you not just to leave a review, but I like to ask our listeners, leave a review as to what was your favorite episode and why, like what really resonated with you. I uh, would greatly appreciate that. But until next week, we will see you on another episode of the Shadows Podcast. <laughs>